Welcome to the Stay Hot Podcast, 10th Region Weekly. Alongside me is Evan Dennison, and this week we're going to preview the Sweet 16. This show here is kind of a culmination of a whole season of, you know, uh, 10th Region from week one all the way up to the region finals. And now we get to put it all together in the Sweet 16. And uh, Evan, before we get started talking about it, there's one thing that just infuriates me when I look at this Sweet 16 bracket. And I didn't talk to you about this beforehand. I was going to, and we got to talk about something else. But I hate when I look at this bracket that these games are not in order by the time that they play. For example, the first game on the bracket is Elizabethtown and McCracken County, but they're not till 1.30. Then you got J-Town and Woodford, and they're actually the 11 a.m. game, but they're the second listed in the bracket. And if you go down to Thursday – the very first game listed is Douglas and Martin County, and that's the 6 p.m. game. And I don't know why it chaps me the way it does, but it just grinds my gears when I look at this bracket. That's how it's set up. It's the uh, – I'm with you. It's like the OCD in me that wants to switch them around and put the first game at the top and whatnot. But I, and that's I the way it used to be. For- wonder what changed. Yeah, I don't know if they do it for ticketing purposes, what they know will draw them a bigger crowd. I guess my biggest issue, though, too, is the two and a half hours in between games. Like, why is it so long? Like, if it's if it's a, if it's a one session that you've paid for, I mean, you can clear people out of the gym within 15, 20 minutes. I mean, it just seems like a long time in between games because some of those games, you know, they're done an hour and a half, and then you're, you know, an hour in between games. It's kind of a lull. And I agree. And as a fan that, you know, has frequented the state tournament for many years, um, I literally hate to sit and wait. Um, Yeah, I enjoy talking to the people around me. I enjoy talking to the people I'm with. But, you know, when you're doing that all week for an hour between games and it just gets a little much, maybe, you know, they're hoping that hour people spend it at the concession stand. I don't know. But I don't know how how many times I can afford a $6 bottle of water and a $13 hot dog. But um, and that they leads me a, to the. They give us a fifteen dollar voucher, and the other day I had to spend four four dollars extra because it was nineteen dollars for tacos and a coke. Insane! You got to be kidding me! And <laughs> while we're at it with things that grind my gears, <laughs> another thing that grinds my gears is with the Sweet Sixteen, um, twenty eight dollars a session. You know, and I get it; some of those fees are Ticketmaster. But why, I mean, why we got to order them on Ticketmaster? I know you can get them at the door, but whatever happened to the days where you could pre-order them and they'd send you a book in the mail and there wasn't, you know, $20 worth of fees. Now it seems like they're just trying to get every dime out of you that they can. The greatest show in hoops, man. Well, and here's the thing. It's going to be crowded. It's going to be packed. People are still going to pay it. So, you know, maybe they're on to something, but I just feel like while I was in the mood of talking about things that grind my gears, I just go ahead and lay it all on the line there. But um, I think they really got to recoup their losses because the COVID year, I'm sure, really crippled them. And, you know, I, uh, if I recall, you know, Commissioner Julian Tackett stated they were, I mean, if, if it were to linger on for another year and they miss another state tournament, they, they could have went under. So that's, well, how, that's how scary and dire things got considering how much of a cash cow the Sweet 16 is. And like and you I said, remember going to pay it probably regardless, but I agree, $28 is steep. You know, it's we're not going and, to watch NBA basketball. 
Well, and, you know, and I remember, and I think you were probably on that uh, YouTube, you know, when they stream, remember during COVID, they would stream all their meetings. And, and I remember being on there and I wrote down numbers as I watched. And I don't remember exact numbers, but I know the year that the, uh, they canceled the Sweet 16 for COVID, the boys tournament, they lost almost, it was over 900,000. It was almost a million dollars. Um, so, and I get that, but man, the average fan or, you know, I, it'd be hard for me to take my family down for $28 a session. You know, when you talk about all the different sessions there are, and by the time you, uh, pay for a hotel room and food and all that stuff while you're there, I mean, most people could probably go on a cruise cheaper. Yeah. I mean, that's, if you do the math, just tickets alone, that's 56 a day. Right. And you're there four days, two sessions a day. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, each day you're paying for two sessions a day. If you have the, uh, I assume the Saturday deal is the same where you pay for both semifinals and then the championship game at night. So, right. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's $224 in tickets alone. A person. And if yeah. I were taking my three daughters, you know, you're looking at $800 in tickets, $700 in tickets. And then, not to count the thousand dollars for a hotel room and who knows what we'd spend on food. Yeah. Because if they're with me, we're going to eat and we're going to eat good. That's, that's a given. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I saw something on uh, Twitter today that you posted and it kind of, you know, made me think, and, you know, I'm tired of the old debate of the public versus private, you know, and I saw your tweet talking about how this year in the sweet 16, that there was not one private school it was all public schools. And the most people you talk about, they'll say the reason they don't like private schools is recruiting. Go through the list of these teams are down here and tell me how many of these teams are making it to Rupp that don't have a recruit on their team. Now, okay, sorry, not use the word recruit. They don't have a transfer on their team. You know, so for all these people to think that's going on just in the private schools, that's short-sighted because it's going on everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be careful with the R word, and I think transfer right. a better word. And situations but, you know, happen and, and, and things happen, but, I mean, yeah, you're right, up and down the board. Well, I'm, I'm just not, saying that most people on Twitter and, you, you know, when we're, lying to your, we're replying to your post or talking about it, the reason they don't like the private schools is because they say that, you know, they get transfer after transfer after transfer. But it's also going on in the public schools, too. And the, for those people not to see that or think that, I just feel like, you know, they're just trying to point out things to fit their narrative. Oh, for and sure. that's that private schools cheat, which, you know, that's not the case. Yeah, um, I, I agree completely. I mean, I think each team probably in this field has a benefit of, of a kid that started somewhere else in high school and, and is now there or, you know, went there once their freshman year started, which is perfectly legal but you know it's it's very rampant and um you know just alone it, it trickles down all the way from college all the way down to high school i mean today alone at like 4 p.m there was 175 kids that already entered the transfer portal wow game. so and that that number is only gonna probably times 10 i mean you're gonna look at probably over a thousand fifteen hundred transfers just in college basketball alone and last year there was over fifteen hundred I mean, I mean, just think of like some of these high school, like and now that they're in college, they've already been at three schools in two, three years. You know, it's just 
you know, it's, it's, it's the nature of the game these days. And, you know, as a college coach, it has to be exhausting because you constantly have to recruit your own kids. Right. And, and that's what you brought up a good point. I don't recruit your own kids, but I had a college coach tell me on the girls side this year that they don't recruit high school players unless they're just desperate. They're going straight to the transfer portal right off the bat. Why would you not want a kid that's two, three years into college ready to go day one compared to a freshman who you're, you might have to wait a year or two and then heck maybe they'll transfer by then. You don't know. So, right. And that's what, you know, and I think that's the whole reason why I get irritated, you know, being a high school coach, you know, my job is to not only coach those kids at the high school level, try to prepare them for some life lessons and, you know, teach them things that's going to better them in life, but also to try to get those who, who have worked and earned and deserve uh, free college education and it's getting harder and harder because very few you know now if you have a uh, top 100 in the ESPN class they're probably still going to be recruited but it's getting to be to where it's harder and harder to get these high school kids um, a free education through through sports because of the transfer portal and you know I didn't do my research on each individual team in the sweet 16 but um, when I saw your post about how you know, everybody always wants to call out the private schools for, you know, their transfers. I just wanted to make it known that, you know, private schools, they're not the only ones that receive those transfers. But, you know, with that being said, um, I'm curious to see your predictions on this. Uh, I'm hoping that we differ in several because I'm on a two-game streak right now. <laughs> uh, we're losing 47 in a row. You went undefeated in the 10th region tournament, didn't you? Right. I, I I slipped some money to the fifth region officials to help me out. That's the only way I had a chance of winning. It was all um, chalk. <laughs> but um, chalk. do you want to go in order of the bracket or do you want to go in order of the times? Uh, I mean, we can go in order of the bracket. That's fine. All right. Well, the 130 game on March 15th, which is the top bracket, is Elizabethtown and McCracken County. Um. I don't know if you've had a chance to either one of these teams play this year, but, you know, J-Town's coming out of Region 6. Or, I'm sorry, I looked looked at the wrong – yeah, Elizabethtown and McCracken County. Uh, Elizabethtown Region 5, McCracken County Region 1. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to either one of these teams play. Uh, not – no, not on – not on a game. But, you know, I have looked up information on both. And, you know, I, I know E-Town is, is a team that's – both these teams have been here quite a bit over the last, you know, five, six years. Uh, E-Town even made it to the uh, state state championship game uh, in 2021 when they lost to Highlands. So right. I know they got a really dynamic player in Aiden Evans. He's about 6'7", 6'8". He scores about 16 points, brings down 9.9 rebounds. So I think he'll really pose some, some matchup problems to McCracken County. And, uh, you know, to the 10th region folks uh, from Maysville, they, they know this name well, Jack McCune. Um, him and his brother were, are both from Maysville and ended up moving to Paducah um, when they were younger. And Jack's the leader of that team right now, averaging 18 a game. I think his older brother's name was Ian, if I'm – It is, correct. Corrected. And I want to say he's playing somewhere now too, and he just graduated last year. So, you know, with McCracken, you know, the first region brand of basketball, they're, they're going to want to try and, you know, control the pace, uh, keep things lower scoring, if that's fair to say. Um, you look at what they did in the region tournament, didn't allow more than 45 points in any of the three games that they played. And, 
Um, I just think that their tempo will want to be kind of slower pace where, you know, E-Town's going to want to feed their big man, Aiden, Aiden Evans, and they're going to have, you know, some more athleticism uh, on the outside. Uh, but I just think this McCracken team has been here um, most recently compared to E-Town. Uh, I think they've they've played a little bit tougher of a schedule uh, throughout the season. And uh, I'm going to pick, uh, pick McCracken County here in this first-round matchup. Um, I also picked McCracken County um, as well. Um, I've noticed that their defense has only given up 48 points a game, you know, and they're still scoring 61 points a game, which probably, you know, 61 is nowhere near the top of points per game in the Sweet 16, but their defense is probably one of the better defenses. But a lot of that's attributed to their style and pace of play that you mentioned. But um, the one thing that stuck out to me about E-Town, you know, you mentioned – McCune from McCracken having some 10th region roots. Um, E-Town beat Adair County, who was coached by Darren Breeze, who's also a 10th region guy. But the one thing about E-Town is that win against LaRue County in the region finals, you know, LaRue County was the number one team RPI. And if I'm not mistaken, LaRue County also beat GRC this year. Yeah. So, you know, E-Town has some good wins. Um, However, I agree with you. I think McCracken County strength of schedule is a little bit tougher. Um, both teams have four guys that are averaging close to double figures. They both seem to be well balanced in scoring. And um, but I just for you know, I just like McCracken County for the reasons you stated as well. And you know, E Town's big boy in Evans, you know, he may the thing that I think that could help them is if it gets to be a half court game, slower paced, you know, does that benefit a six seven guy in the paint? to where he doesn't have to run the floor, where he can establish post position, get it down low. I'm not so sure the size of any of McCracken County's players, but I don't, I'm not sure they got anybody that can match up with that, with, you know, him, Evans, like you said, he's very dynamic. I, I've heard a lot about him, never seen him play with my own eyes, but, um, I, but you know, defense I guess we travels, can sit here and speculate. Defense, defense travels, and, you know, with McCracken County, I just think, that they're better on that end. And, uh, you know, again, it'll be a really in- intriguing matchup to see how they handle Evans and, and what they can do with him. And I'm excited to see him play. You know, I know he's got some offers at the next level and a guy I, I think that, um, you know, is a solid prospect. And the good news for him, he's only a junior, so he still has another year of, of uh, eligibility to go. That's what I was going to say, too, that he was only a junior. Um, so we both agree with McCracken Kenny in game one. So yep. Kraken County, if you know the winner of that game will play the winner of Jefferson Town and Woodford County. Um, J Town, uh, Region Six, they, um, you know, the thing, you know, when I say the word upset, you know, you'll hear me say it a couple times tonight. When I say upset, that means they beat teams that had a higher RPI. I know our RPI system's not flawless, it does have some mistakes, but you know, they did beat Butler and DeSales. Um, in the regional tournament to get to rep, and both of those teams had a higher RPI than J-Town. They got six guys that are scoring nine points and up. Um, so they have, you know, several players that can hurt you on the offensive end. You know, Cameron and Lucas McDaniels are the leading scorers. I'm assuming they're probably brothers. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but they are their leading scorers at 12 and 11. Then they got four other guys that score anywhere between 9 and 11. So, um but the thing that uh, I think J-Town's one of their biggest strengths is their athleticism. The bad part is they're going against a Woodford County team that can probably match their athleticism. 
um, out of Region 8. Um, but, you know, for Woodford County to advance, and I know Woodford County is a team that I've heard a lot about this year, Jasper Johnson. I think he's a sophomore. It's already got multiple D1 offers. But um, they beat three of the top four teams in the eighth just to get to Rupp. And when they beat them, I don't think the scores were even close. They beat Owen County, North Odom, and Collins in the regional tournament just to advance. And if you go look up those three scores of those three games, uh, Woodford County just ran them off the court. I mean, and North Odom was ranked in the state all year. So, but, you know, like I said, they're led by super sophomore Jasper Johnson. And I think that's a name that, you know, anybody who's followed Kentucky high school basketball this year is going to know. Yeah, his his name really sticks off the charts, and um, it looks like they got healthy at the right time. You know, John McCreer's back for them. Uh, not making much of a dent in the scoring column, but I imagine he's making his presence known elsewhere with his length, and he's a Murray State commit. And like you said, Jasper Johnson, you know, he holds at least 15, you know, major D1 offers. He's a, he's a top 50 player in the class of uh, 2025 and just a really dynamic player, and this is a team that I think grew as the year went on. They got hot as as, as as the year went on. And that eighth region this year was really solid, really top-heavy. I mean, you had uh, North Oldham, who was a top-five team in the state all year. Collins, who's annually a, a very tough team with, with Chris, Chris Gaither as a great coach. Simon Kenton was a tough out. Grant County had a, a banner year for them. And, uh, you know, it was – Owen a County. Yeah, and Owen County with Tegan Moore, Walton Verona could put up points. So, I mean, there were six teams in, in, in the eighth that were really solid. And I thought, I think this is going to help them coming into this game. And uh, J-Town with me, to me, it looks like, and, and from what I was hearing from what their coach was saying today during the Zoom press conference where all the coaches, you know, answer questions for about 10 minutes, he said they struggle to shoot the ball. Um, and and they, where they kind of make, make up is on the defensive end where they kind of play a zone for, for a lot of the game. So uh, can, can Johnson pick apart that zone at the top and, and open up the floor the, the way he's able to space things? I say yes, and I, I just think um, he's a difference maker in a game like this. And, you know, Jefferson Town does have the edge in terms of returning here from, from last year where they just did not shoot it well last year uh, in their loss, their opening round loss. But it's so, kind of strange you say that because – you know, they average more points per game than Woodford. And, you know, he's talking about make it up for it on the defensive end. They play some zone. And they're still giving up 62 points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'd say it's I a guess tempo numbers can be misleading, you know. I think they have to probably get out and push the pace offensively just to kind of help create more opportunities. Or hope their defense creates some transition baskets. But, right. Right. I mean – I'm going with Woodford County in this game. You know, normally when I don't know a lot about the teams, I'll take the best player on the floor. And to me, that's Jasper Johnson. I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm taking Woodford, too. I just think J-Town, you know, they were 11 and 12 at one point this year and then won their last six games to to make it to this point. Um, You know, the sixth was – was tough this year. I just think the eighth was was more competition, was better, and, and I'm taking the top flight player. So, we're both on Woodford here. And I don't see us being any different in this next game either. And that's no knock to Pulaski County, who uh, had a 27-6 and record and being the winner of Region 12, beat a very good Lincoln County team in the finals. Um, but it's a little tall task to 
you know, Warren Central, who was the state runner up last year, lost, uh, I think it was a one point game to, or a two point game to GRC in the finals. Um, the last time that Warren Central's lost a game was December 27th, first Madison Central. Um, they got a 23 game winning streak, which obviously, which it's 23 game winning streak, but it's not the longest winning streak entering the Sweet 16. And other teams won 28 straight. Um, Frederick Douglass, but, um, you know, Warren Central, 32-1, and one, the only loss to Madison Central on the 27th of December. They had to beat Bowling Green to get there. But I think what sticks out to me most about Warren Central, um, they got five guys that average double figures. And um, it seems to me, you know, and I know that Pulaski County's got a dynamic duo and Caden Lancaster and Barrick Williams. They both average 20 a game um, for Pulaski. But – it just seems like to me with this Warren Central, these kids that I'm seeing here, seems like they've played four or five years for Warren Central, you know. And there's a point in time, you know, not too long ago, it seems like Rupp Arena was Warren Central's second home. They've been there a lot. Um, but like Chappelle Whitney, I've heard that name for years. You know, Kate Unseld's only a sophomore, you know, the coach's son, but, you know, like Amari Glover, that's another name I've heard from. I mean, seems like these names of, you know, maybe they're all seniors now, but I just don't see um, Pulaski County putting up much of a fight with Warren Central in the first game. Yeah, it's a tough matchup for them. And, you know, this Warren Central team is is here. You know, they're battle-tested. And talking to Coach Unsell today um, on the on that podcast and or on the Zoom meeting, I'm sorry, Um you know, they really took their lumps in 2020, 2021. Um, you know, he he knew they had a young team, and a lot of those guys you mentioned were, were, were sophomores um, and, and really still trying to uh, figure out where they were. Um, and then they grew up quickly. You know, that, that sophomore year, that COVID year, they, they only played 15 games, um, went eight and seven, really struggled to get anything going. And from there, they, they've really turned the corner. Um, you know, last year – we're, we're essentially, you know, a, a possession or a possession away from being the state champ in that in that game against George Rogers Clark. They let a late lead go um, in the fourth, and then uh, you know, since that point, I mean, there looks like they're twenty nine and four last year, and then this year uh, they went what was it twenty thirty two and one. So they're thirty two and one. Yeah, they're sixty one and five. Their last two seasons, they've been dominant uh, this year all year long. They laid one dud. That was it, and that was at the uh, Lexington Catholic um, Holiday Tournament, where they lost to Madison Central the opening round, and and haven't lost since. And it's not like they've been playing cupcakes. You know, they've beat the Great Crossings, they've beat North Oldham, um, they've beat Bowling Green, I believe, four times. Um, you know, so they've they've been battle tested, and you know they're they're at this point in the number one team coming in for a reason because they're they're here to to mean business. And uh, I, I do think they're the best team in this field. And as far as Pulaski, I just think they're a little outmanned here. Um, don't really see a, a many notable wins on their schedule. Uh, they did beat Madison Central the first game of the season, which was a nice win. And, uh, again, the 12th region typically, uh, outside of last year, they, they typically struggle in this tournament. Um, you know, Sands, Lincoln County, and their run they made last year. So, uh, again, a, a nice season for Pulaski, but I just I don't really see them having the horses to be able to compete here in this one. And I'll, I'll take uh, you know Warren Central 
in a pretty sizable margin and, and think they can kind of limit the big three that Pulaski relies on and Caden Lancaster, Barrick Williams, and Carson Fraley. Yeah, and I, you know, and it's like I said, it's no knock to them because to, to defeat Lincoln County just to make it, you know, that's a solid win based on what Lincoln County did last year. And, you know, if you remember, Lincoln County took GRC down to the wire last year. It may have been an overtime game. Double overtime. Double overtime. I remember watching, and I, I thought it was overtime for sure. I didn't remember double overtime. But um, so, you they know, Pulaski. In, uh, like literally a half foot away from winning that. And it, it was it was a bank shot three at the uh, – or bank shot. It ended up being a two-pointer, I think, at the buzzer in the first overtime. First. And, and he had just the, – the Lincoln County player had just missed a three-pointer by like half a foot. I remember that. It was yep. it was an exciting game, and but, you know – Everything you said, I agree with. You know, had a great year, but it's a tough draw when you draw, you know, 32 and one Warren Central in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Owensboro and Ashland. Um, Owensboro out of Region Three, 19 and 10. Um, the one thing that impressed me about Owensboro is if you look at RPI in the third, they were kind of down fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe in that region. They did beat uh, Ohio County and Owensboro Catholic, which were two of the top three teams in that region, according to RPI, just to make it to, you know, Rupp. Um, but they have a really great player, too. And and I've read a lot about Kenyatta Carbon, but I've not seen him play. Um, but everything I've read about him and what I've seen people about talks about just, you know, how good of a high school basketball player he is. Um but they also have balanced scoring. He he doesn't do it alone. Um, you know, Jarris Webb, he uh, averages 11 points a game, but he only played in 10 games this year. But in my research, I found out he did play in the regional finals. So I'd say he was hurt early on or most of the year, but he seems to be getting healthy, you know, and he's their second leading scorer. Then they got three other guys that average all around, you know, anywhere between eight to 10. Um, Ashland, a team we're a little bit more familiar with, but, uh, you know, they defeated Russell and Boyd. Russell was, I think, second in RPI in that region. They were like 25-5 regular season. And then after splitting with Boyd in the regular season, they pretty well ran Boyd off the floor in the regional finals. And um, I'm sure that was bittersweet for the Ashland people, considering other circumstances that went on between those two schools. But uh, um, Ashland's main player, Xander Carter, um, I think he's a sophomore this year, maybe a junior. But he got to play with the likes of uh, Villers, Sellers, Porter, those guys last few years. And then, you know, Reese DeBoard, who um, actually I think is, you know, played some high school ball at Boyd County before transferring to Ashland. So um, he's averaging 17.3 points per game. And I think um, pretty good uh, point guard to come in behind, you know, Colin Porter, who I think was one a highly touted freshman in – you know, for Liberty this year, may have been freshman of the week a couple of times at the D1 level. So, um, but I'm taking Ashland in this game. Um, I think it's going to be a good game, probably one of the better games of this first session. But I just, I like Xander Carter and Reese DeBoard. I think they have what it takes to lead. Um, but, you know, I think this is the toughest game to pick of the of the first day. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I was actually going to say that this is the probably the the, the toss up of of the four uh, on on Wednesday, and you know this should be a fun one. You know, both teams average in the seventies. Um, they're they're top 
you know, 25 offenses in terms of being able to, you know, put points on the board. So both teams can score it. Um, I, I think that makes it for uh, an intriguing game. Um, I, I think where Ashton kind of separates here is, is from beyond the arc. They're hitting 30, 37% of their threes or Ashland's or Owensboro struggling at 31.9%. So that could be a big difference. And then, uh, you know, at the free throw line, you know, Owensboro's only hitting 59%. And in, in games like this, those those numbers get magnified. Um, you got to be able to hit your free throws at any point in the contest where Ashland's hitting 76% of their attempts. So those two aspects alone makes me lean Ashland here. But I, I do expect it to be a uh, a higher scoring game. And, uh, you know, a fun one to end the night on Wednesday. But uh, I'm going to go with Ashland, their experience here, I think, again, will help. Owensboro is a nice little story. Uh, made it made a good run there um, toward the end of the year. But uh, I just think they ultimately come up short here. And I just think, you know, the third region, ever since Owensboro won that state title, I believe it was in 2015, uh, this region's struggled at times to, uh, you know, even get out of the first round. So, I'm going to lean Ashland here and, and take the Tomcats. Yeah, we, we agree on all those. The last thing I'll say about Owensboro is I remember the, that year um, I really fell in love with Rod Drake as a coach, and I looked up – that's the first thing I looked up with Owensboro was if he was still coaching them or not because I wasn't for sure. Um, but I just – I loved his energy, his passion on the sidelines. He, I really thought he was a great coach and coached a really good Sweet 16 then. And um, – and – you know, that may be the edge that Owensboro has in this game is the coaching. And this is no knock on Coach Bonner at Ashland, but this is his first year as a head coach on the sidelines making all these decisions. And Rod Drake being a seasoned veteran, that may be something he has to rely on. You know, he's coached a rep before. This won't be his first rodeo. So, um, but I took Ashland as well. All right. So we agree with all four of those games. Let's hopefully here in this uh, next four. Um, we can uh, disagree on one. It's not going to be this first game, I'm sure. Um, Frederick Douglas, Region 11 champion against Martin County, Region 15. Um, Frederick Douglas, the hottest team in the state. They've won 28 straight games. Their last loss was December 10th. Um, they're also under first-year head coach at Douglas and Wes Scarberry, good friend of mine. He used to coach at Richmond Model, and being at Robertson County, we used to play some, you know, have some tight battles there between Model and Robertson. So I'm very happy for Coach Scarberry that he's getting his opportunity. Um, but you, ha anytime you think of the 11th region, and if you've won the 11th region, then you face the gauntlet. I mean, they beat Madison Central and Lexington Catholic, you know, in the regional tournament just to kind of make it the rep. So they're battle-tested. Um, not only are they battle tested, they're dynamic athletically, they're quick. Um, Avion Chenault and Armello Boone have really come on lately. Um, if Armello Boone gets an opportunity to get out on the break, get your camera out, get your phone out because the high riser, uh, huh? Is he a high riser? Oh, the highlights I've seen, he's a skywalker. Nice. You no, know, he, he, yeah, he, he's got bounce. And with the Easter coming around, we'll say he's he's got hops, <laughs> or he's got bunnies. I've heard kids call them bunnies now. Yeah, man. Um, I'm not up to date with all the local lingo or the young lingo, but uh, you know, it'd be hard to pick against Frederick Douglass in this game. And uh, you know, Martin County, 
once again, I'm not so sure they were predicted to win this region. They're in the region with Pikeville. Always felt like Pikeville was the favorite in the 15th this year. They do have a great score in Luke Hale that scores 21 a game, and Braden McKenzie averages 15. Um, so I don't think Martin County, you know, doesn't deserve to be there because they do. But I just think it's another one of those games that's a, a rough first-round matchup. However, they have produced one of the greater stories of the Sweet 16 with uh, the band. And, you know, Pike County Central is going to travel and play band for Martin County because they don't have the numbers for a band or something I read about that. I don't know if you've heard that story, but it's a pretty good feel-good story. So um, hats off to Pike County Central for doing that. Really neat story. And uh, Martin County, it it looks like it's been a crazy year. Uh, You know, they are 24-10, and which is impressive. But, you know, they lost eight straight games at one point this season. Um, They lost the All-A state semi or quarterfinals to Evangel Christian, who ended up winning the All-A. I was actually at that game, and it just it was never really a contest. I mean, Evangel pulled up, uh, pulled away early, and uh, ended up winning by thirty. Um, but that started a uh, eight game losing streak for them, leading all the way in through February sixteenth. And then, boom! You know, once district tournament hit, they won their district in the fifty seventh, beating Johnson Central and Paintsville, and then went through the fifteenth region and beat Shelby Valley, Lawrence County, and then um, surprising Pikeville. So. Props to them for for turning it around late. It's it's just wild that you see that. You don't really normally see a, a state tournament team losing eight games in a row, especially uh, in the month of February uh, in terms of getting ready. And then, boom, they, they flipped the switch as soon as postseason hit. And and here they are. Um, just think it's a tough matchup. What did you say, Fred? It was one, like 28 in a row? 28 in a row. Their last loss was December 10th. Yeah, and it, I mean, it honestly wouldn't shock me if some people had Frederick Douglass winning this whole thing, you know, for as impressive that is. And it's it's not like they've beat slouches during that time, too. They've beaten Woodford County. They've beaten George Rogers-Clark. Uh, like you said, they, they've they gone through the 11th region, beating Madison Central and Lexcalf just to get here. And, um, you know, the game that they did lose to uh, Lexington Catholic early in the season, which was one of their first losses – um, if I stand correctly, weren't they three and two to start the year? Yeah, they were three and two. And then, um, it looks like Boone or Boone did not play against, it was the great crossing game, uh, on December 10th. So, you know, didn't have him in the lineup and then they've, they've, they've run away with, with things ever since. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm excited to watch this team play. And I know Kai Simpson's a, a solid basketball player. He's got a, a Thomas Moore offer, so, um, you know, maybe he ends up coming this way after his high school career is over. He's the team's leading scorer, um, and it, it looks like, you know, they, they they spread it around pretty well with four guys in double figures and, um, you know, a team that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to playing this week. So I, I'm, going, I'm going Frederick Douglass there. Yeah, me and you both. Um, I think um, – the, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, that thir- Thursday is going to be, you know, must-see basketball, Rub, just because I think all four of these games have a team in it that's capable of winning this week, winning the entire thing. Um, not, not not just the first round or a couple games, but I'm talking about the bottom bracket is flat-loaded. Um, sets up a nice – you know, upper bracket Warren Central. I'm not saying they got a cupcake or anything, but this bottom bracket is if you make it to the finals, you've earned it. 
um, which, you know, the next game is Mel and Breathitt County. Um, Breathitt County is another one of those teams who have a really good story. I think they're going to draw a lot of fans from, you know, people who are there that have no team there. You know, anybody who's followed high school basketball this year knows that their coach, B.B. King, passed away in the middle of the season. Um, Kyle Moore kind of took over. Um, I'm not so sure he's the interim coach if they've removed the interim tag from him. If not, they need to for the simple fact that, you know, he's led him here to the state tournament. But uh, they Louisville Mel, I think, you know, beginning of the season was ranked pretty high in the state. Um, they've got a nice – <laughs> nice team and of course they have probably have one of the best coaches in the state um but this is one of those matchups that two different styles of play um i i just i'm not so sure i can see where breath kenny can keep it close and you know breath kenny's got nice players austin sperry averages 18 points a game i think i've seen on social media recently where he's been receiving offers um Christian Collins is a player that I'm really familiar with. He transferred from um, Buckhorn to Breathitt County. Um, he's about six 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 seven. He's one of those guys that plays above the rim as well. He's averaging 15 points, almost 10 rebounds a game. Um, but I just think Mel, with the level of competition they've played through this season, you know, making it out of the seventh region where they had to beat Trinity and Ballard, who were the top two teams in the region based on RPI. Um, I'm going with Mel here. Mel also has a couple guys I'm familiar with, Jack and Cole Edelin. Jack Edelin played with Justin Becker, AAU, a team animal. Very solid. Probably one of the higher IQ point guards that I've ever seen play. And then I just saw where Cole Edelin, who's his brother, he's a freshman. Um, he saw time last year on Mel as an eighth grader. So it kind of gives you an idea of what kind of talent he has. Um, a very good shooter from behind the arc. Um, I think uh, – some prep hoops may have listed him freshman of the year this year, um, which I don't know what their criteria was or who was in the running or if that's just something they decided to do. Um, but they also have Demetrius White and Jason Gassaway, who both average double figures too. So they're having they got four guys that average double figures. So um, and they only give up fifty nine points a game. So you know Mel's pretty solid. Yeah, you know I, I think it took them about a month to to figure out how they were going to do this without Caleb Glenn, who would have been a senior this year, but ended up going the prep school route. And, you know, he's heading to Louisville next year to play college basketball, but, you know, they have him, they had that dynamic in and it's, it's even scarier of a team, but it looks like they really figured things out after Christmas. Um, they were 10 and seven at one point, And then uh, they've won 15 of their last 18, uh, including um, it looks like, uh, 11 in a row or 12 in a row. So they're a hot team. Um, you know, the seventh region's always a gauntlet, no matter what, what year it is. I do think Louisville basketball as a whole is down this year in terms of maybe there's no elite team, but it looks like this male team is, is, is clicking at the right time. Tim Hayworth, you know, this isn't his first picnic. He, he's pretty much an annual fixture in this thing. Um, whether it be at male or back when he was at Hopkinsville or even at Murray, I think he took teams there. So, you know, he's, he's no stranger to this. Um, and I, I think they're going to come in with the chip on their shoulder. They lost first round last year. A lot of people had them picked to win this thing last year, and they lose first round and a thriller to Warren Central. So 
I think they're going to come out determined and ready. And, uh, you know, I, I do think they have uh, the advantage here over Breathitt County. And, you know, it, it's really hard not to root for uh, the Bobcats and what all they've had to endure. And, you know, even before their coach passing, they had all that flooding that they had to deal with in the county. So, um, you know, props to those kids and their perseverance and and, and keeping through and, and, and getting this thing back on the right path. And I remember watching them at the All-A last year, and they were a very impressive basketball team. And I think they have, you know, many of those pieces back. But, again, I just – I don't know if, if this is um, a team that can match – the athleticism with with the male. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh, you know the Bulldogs here. Yeah, and I think uh, you know you made a very good point, and I forgot about the flooding at you know come beginning of the year and them having to find other gyms to practice in, and just just the entire county and surrounding areas just you know washed out. And um, but you know with what they've endured, and you mentioned perseverance, which is a very good word to describe. You know these kids, it's only gonna make them stronger in life, and. Um, I think it's probably showed themselves and the people around them just how strong they really are. You know, a lot of times we as people don't know how strong we are until we're put in those situations. And those kids have been put in a, a, a few different situations this year that's only going to make them stronger. But um, you mentioned Tim Hayworth and, you know, you mentioned the chip on your shoulder. I was one of those people who picked Mel to win it all last year. So I definitely remember that first round matchup with Warren Central and, um, but you probably you made you made uh, a comment that I forgot about, and that was Caleb Glenn. I knew, you know, when I saw all those rankings, that it was because he he was probably still there. He hadn't announced yet. But once I the season started, me being on the girl side, I kind of forgot that Caleb Glenn went the prep route. But you know, I'd say it, you know put him on this male team, and they're probably right up there, you know, with Warren Central and them as the favorite GRC, you know, Frederick Douglass, but. Um, it seems like he's got these boys playing good basketball at the right time without Caleb Glenn. So, you know, hats off to him and his coaching because he always seems to get it done. And we're we're six for six so far. Yeah. We'll see here in these next two. And yeah, this but, you know, before we kind of jump ahead, but man, that second round game between Douglas and Mel. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um all right, Lyon County mean, and Newport. Um Lyon County, um, no stranger to anybody this year because of, you know, Travis Perry. And um, I read today on social media that, you know, he's 21 points shy of breaking the state scoring record. Um, I'm curious to see how Rupp Arena handles that. You know, will they stop the game? You know, it is the state tournament, you know. Do you stop the game presenting the ball? Do you do a ceremony afterwards? Um, now, that's if he gets 21 points. I don't think that's a given with um, Newport's defense. And um, and I know I know Rod Snap personally. I know, I know, you know, his mindset. I know what kind of coach he is and what he expects. And um, I just – this is probably the one matchup in the first round that if I can't make it to Rupp, that I will definitely be in front of my TV streaming and I won't miss. Um, you know, but I said constantly all year, all year long, I thought Lyon County was overranked in the state rankings. I've seen them as high as third. Um, I didn't think they were that good. Not saying they're not a good basketball team because they're 30 and five. Obviously they are. I watched them against Mason County, I believe. Didn't they play Mason this year? Lyon County? Twice, yeah. yeah. 
and I watched them play Bracken. So I've seen several of their games. And, you know, silly me, I thought they were just a one-man show in Travis Perry, but that's not the case. Um, Brady's shoulders uh, really impressed me the times I've watched him play. He averages a double-double, 18 points, 11 rebounds. And then, you know, Jack Reddick, who I think is – he hadn't played in every game this year, but he did play in the regional finals, I believe. He's averaging 19 points a game. So that just shows you um, Lyon County's putting up 84 points a game. That's got to be number one in the state, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and then – but I think that's what's intriguing. One of the better defensive teams in Rupp is Newport. They're only giving up 50 points a game. And, you know, I'll let you talk more about Newport because you've covered them all year long. You know about them. And I just um, – I want it known before you talk, I've picked Newport to win this matchup. Dang. <laughs> you must have yeah. two. This bottom pod is tough, man. It, it is. It really is. Um, but, yeah, it, I think the most intriguing part about this game is just the contrast of styles. You know, Lyon County is going to want to play this in the 80s. Newport's content on playing this in the 40s and 50s, which when you look at this Newport team, it kind of surprises you with the athletes that they have on this team. I mean, they got six dudes that could play with anybody in the state because, you know, they're they, they, some of them might be young. They might be freshmen, but a lot of these kids play – high-level AAU nationwide, and they're, they're ranked, you know, in, in terms of how that works out. But, you know, can they control the tempo? Um, that's the, that's what they're going to want to do. Um, Line County, again, will, will want to push. They won't want to They won't want to even set up half-court offense. They'll just want to get it out and go and, and beat Newport down the floor. Now, will they have the ability to do that is the question. Um, Line County has played a very tough schedule this year. They got some really big wins, but – I don't know if they've seen a team this dynamic as Newport in terms of having a shot blocker like a James Turner, having a, a workhorse like a Marquez Miller that can guard one through five, and then having two dynamic guards that could take anybody off the dribble in Taylor Kenny and Jabari Covington. So this game's a really intriguing one. Um, it, it's one that's really tough to pick. It's hard to go against Lyon County in terms of how they've been here um, a, a few times over the last few years. Um and then in terms with, you know, Travis Perry and that dynamic, as far as when he breaks the record, I, I think the proper etiquette, I, I know normally you do it as soon as he does it, but maybe during a timeout, you know, it could be a good time to do it. Um, but like you said. Next dead ball, yeah. Yeah, 21 points isn't a given here. You know, Marquez Miller is, is, is a very fierce defender. He's about 6'4", six, 6'5"-ish, six, six, and as quick as can be and as strong as an ox, so – uh, it's not going to come easy for Perry. And I'm just curious how this game gets officiated because Newport really isn't that deep. They go six deep and that's about it. So in terms of a track meet and foul trouble, if that starts adding up, that'll, that'll favor Lyon County. But if Newport can grind it out, work their offense and, and have possessions um, again, it's, 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 it's a toss up, but I like the Wildcats here, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Newport. And I think a lot of the talk coming in will surround Travis Perry and what he can do and, Newport's kind of flying under the radar, and they like that. That's kind of the way they did it all year in the ninth region where everybody was talking about Covenant Catholic and Connor in the year that they were having where, you know, Newport was lurking. Um, they lost at the buzzer by Jacob Meyer in the All-A, uh, ninth region All-A championship. So they're battle-tested. They're ready. Um, I, I I think they do it on, on Thursday afternoon. Well, and um, I'm not going to lie, you were the one that kind of sold me on Newport. Just, you know, the times we talk, 
before we go, you know, live and record or the times we talk on the phone. Um, I thought the only team that had an outside chance of winning other than Connor or Cuff Cath was maybe Cooper. And that's who Newport beat in the regional finals. Um, that shot Jabari Covington hit was, I mean, it was a nice shot. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned something about these Newport kids being young, um, but talented. But as a coach, I'm going to tell you, and people out there may see it differently, but I'd rather take a talented freshman over an inexperienced, not to, you know what I'm saying? I want talent over experience. And I just feel like talent just speaks for itself. If you're players, you play. And, these guys are players, and yeah, another um, thing with these kids that I've noticed, they don't they don't get nervous, like they don't back down from anything, like they they thrive in situations like this. Once the stage gets bigger, is is when they even amp it up even more. So you won't see, I don't think you'll see nerves early on with this Newport team. They're gonna come out and and they're gonna try and hit them in the mouth, and and you know if the game isn't called super tight, and, and they can get away with how physical they can be in the half court setting then it's it's going to definitely make for a, a very interesting game. And I'm with you. I think the key here is, but, you know, you mentioned Newport's depth. They only like to play six, but those six they do play are very talented. How it's officiated will have a lot to say um, how it goes. But um, does Lyon County play a lot more than six? Yeah, because they just added uh, – they just got Braden Nelson eligible. Um, so, that added another body for them. He uh, he came over from Webster County. And, um, you know, from what Coach Perry was saying today, he he's another player that just adds a different dy- dynamic to them and what he can bring. He can he can guard really well. And, uh, you know, he, he, he said he made a difference in their region championship against Hopkinsville. He said he was the, the difference maker in, in that game. So – He's only played four games with the team, but you know this this team. It seems like they're they're so bought into the process to where, you know, whether they add or subtract someone, um, it, it does look like they go a little bit deeper. And, and adding Nelson to that uh, dynamic um, makes them even deeper. <laughs> so um, I kind of had a feeling we both would be on Newport there. I thought, you know, I knew you knew a lot more about Newport, and I'll be honest with you, um, the first thing I thought was. 20, 21 is what he needs, but that's not going to be easy with the quickness, the length, the strength. Um, and Newport probably has several bodies that they can throw at him mm-hmm. to make him work hard. And I sense that, you know, maybe even pick him up full court. But the time I watch Perry play, he's got great body control. He can get to the rim. He knows how to draw fouls. He can get to the line. Um, but, you know, I don't think him getting to the rims will be as easy against Newport and it may force him to rely on – you know, more jump shots. And I saw in the regional finals where he's two of 11 from three. So, um, that I think if you're going to guard Travis Perry and be effective, you got to force him to shoot more jump shots and don't let him get to the free throw line. Don't let him get to the rim. And I think Newport's going to do that. Honestly, if the game's called like most postseason games, there are not going to be a lot of ticky tack fouls. And that's just my opinion from what I've noticed in the regional tournament. Yep. I agree. All right. So maybe, maybe um, this last game, um, I don't know if we'll be different, but it may, uh, we may have to find our differences in the second round tonight. I don't know. But uh, this, 
I was I wish the Lyon County Newport and the George Rogers Clark and North Laurel was the same session because if they were, I'd definitely make it up there for that. Um, but um, GRC, we know them, 10th region. That's what we've covered all year long. Um, they're the defending state champions. Um, I think it's safe to say that they didn't have as good a year this year as they did last year, but it's almost impossible to repeat what they did last year um, considering, you know, I thought with the pieces they lost and Aiden Sloan, Tanner Walton, you know, some of those pieces like that, they filled them in nicely, and I think the players have stepped up. 27-5 is no slouch, but um, last year they uh, they just kind of uh, made their way through the 10th. And, you know, like we talked about, we said they were the best team in the 10th all year long, although we felt like the that margin or that gap had closed a little bit. And I think the regional tournament showed that. I mean, Harrison County got down 22-2. to but they battled back to make it a 13-point game. And then, you know, Mason County had a one-point lead in the third before Jerome Morton just finally took over and said, you know, we're not losing this game. And uh, I think they end up beating Mason by 12. So I think that gap has, you know, decreased, but um, not enough to beat them. And then they're going against North Laurel, who uh, 25-10 and out of Region 13. And I think um, everybody knows North Laurel because of, Reed Shepard and the three teams that North Laurel beat in the regional tournament all had higher RPIs than North Laurel. Um, Harlan, which gave them the best game in the regional tournament, and um, Harlan's tough. We talked about them several times this year and just the athletes they had. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that they lost that uh, Jordan Acal last year who scored over 30 a game. Um, then they beat South Laurel, um, coached by one of my good friends, Jeff Davis, and then they beat my beloved Red Hounds in the uh, finals of the 13th region, and it wasn't even close, like 70 to 30-something. So um, North Laurel put together a heck of a run in the 13th region. But I think the story here is going to be um, Jerome Morton versus Reed Shepard, um, two Mr. Basketball candidates. And, um, you know, Reed Shepard probably the favorite right now, but – I'm, uh, anybody that listens to this game that's not seen Jerome Morton play this year, get to Rupp on Thursday at 8.30 because you're in for a treat. Yeah, this is probably the game of the first round. I mean, Newport line, a close second, but these uh, these these two, it's another one that's tough to pick. You know, uh, North Laurel's fully healthy now, uh, didn't have – Gavin Chadwell for at least most of the first part of the season, but since they've got him back, they've they've been kind of rolling, and I got to see them play against – I've got to see them play a few times. I got to see them play in Lexington when they played Campbell County and then got to see them when they came up this way and, and played Covington Catholic. And, uh, you know, it was a close loss. They, you know, it was a one-point game late, and uh, Covcalf hit a couple threes to, to, to win the game, but – Reed Shepard just had an off night that night, and that that that's the dynamic in, in this one where where I'm leading GRC is just how many bodies they can throw at Shepard. You know, it's 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 going to be Morton, it's going to be Sam Parrish, it's going to be Tyreek Maxwell, maybe even Trent Edwards at, at at certain times when off off switches off screens. So I just think the the ability, the length and quickness, and the amount of bodies that GRC can throw at North Laurel. Um, 
I think that makes it for a tough matchup for them. Um, now the Chadwell um, addition makes makes this an even more intriguing game because he can really clean up on the boards. And I don't know if GRC has that physicality uh, on underneath th- this year, maybe quite like last year. But you know, between him and Sizemore, that's 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 two matchup nightmares um, for for the Cardinals. But I just think that the ability for GRC to neutralize Reed Shepard in this contest um, is it, kind of what sticks out to me. It, it, it kind of gives me the nod for them uh, over over North Oral here. I agree. Uh, I'm also going GRC, but um, it just that matchup because I can see Morton starting out on Shepard. You know, Morton's guarded the other team's best player a lot this year, um, and I watched him in the. Uh, regional finals against Mason County and how he defends. He's truly a special player because he plays both both ends of the game. He's not just an offensive-minded person. He works his butt off on the defensive end as well. Um, but the player not mentioned a whole lot about, you know, Ryan Davidson for North Laurel. Hmm. Oh, he scores 18 a game, and he's Did somebody – that, no? Huh? Did I say him or no? You said Sizemore, but I think oh. you meant Davidson. Yeah, that's Sizemore graduate. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I, I, and I thought I, that's, that's who I thought you meant, but, you know, Davidson's one of those guys who, you know, he's also a great athlete. He plays above the rim as well. Um, Chadwell coming over from Knox Central. Um, I know he's a highly touted tight end, and I think he's getting several football looks, but um, he hasn't played a full basketball schedule this year. I don't know if he was injured or what. Um, I know he's played a lot less games and you know, the ones who have played a full season. Um, but, you know, he's he's a guy that I think he averages seven rebounds a game. But, you know, if you look at him, he's a very imposing figure. He looks very strong, very thick. Um, and I'm curious to see how that works against maybe the athleticism of a Trent Edwards, you know, because, you know, you're going to have to put a body on Edwards because if not, he's just go out and jump you. He's a pogo stick and – um just, but I just feel like, um, you know, Reed Shepard's a dynamic player, probably the front runner for Mr. Basketball. Everybody knows he's committed to Kentucky, everybody knows who his dad is. But I just feel like Clark County's way more balanced from top to bottom than North Laurel. And I think their quickness, their speed, their athleticism is going to cause problems. So I take GRC as well. But I do want to mention this is probably one of the closer matchups as far as. GRC scores 76.3 points a game. North Laurel scores 75.3 points per game. GRC gives up 54.8. North Laurel gives up 56. So um, GRC's got a margin of 22, whereas North Laurel's got a margin of 19. So fairly competitive numbers there. Um, But I also went with GRC. So maybe. Man, eight for eight. I know, and that's strange. You know, we didn't discuss this before coming on air. But um, just, you know, we can speed through the second round semis and finals because we don't have to talk about every team like we just did. But, um, you know, McCracken and Woodford County is the, you know, the quarterfinal matchup in the top bracket. Um, I'm going with Woodford County in this one. I just like Jasper Johnson. I just think Woodford County's on a roll right now, and I just, you know, I like them to beat McCracken. Yeah, I mean that this Friday is shaping up to be uh, really, really good with, with with what should be four awesome games. Um, and 
I'm with you again. Uh, I, I think Woodford uh, just has has the uh, has the dudes, as people would say, and, and I think they're 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 playing and peaking at the at the right time. And uh, you know, uh, again, I'm I'm gonna have to go uh, go with you and, and say Woodford here. Um, next is Warren Central and Ashland. Um, Warren Central. Um, Not many words needed there, huh? No, and I'm. No, yeah. which sets up a very intriguing matchup between um, Warren Central and Woodford, which we can talk about here in a minute. But it just – that's going to be crazy. Just – Ashland will have to hit – those games that I wish I could watch. You know what I'm saying? Ashland will have to hit double-digit threes to even, I think, be in this game. But I'm going to go Warren Central. I just think the way they can, um, you know, pressure the ball and, and probably alleviate – that that three point shot uh, will will make them stick out, but you know if Ashton can stick around and hit threes, it'll be an interesting game. But I don't know if that'll be the case. Well, I think they need to hit more than ten threes to win that game. But you know, it's just between me and you and the airwaves. I, I you know nobody listens anyhow. Um, next one here, Frederick Douglass and Mel. Um, I, as much as I like Mel, Tim Hayworth, and I think a lot of Jack and Cole Edelin and what they do as players, I just I think Frederick Douglass is on another level right now. Confidence-wise, you know, the way they're playing, the 128 in a row, I just – I'm taking – I'm taking Frederick Douglass. I, I, the more I sit here and think about it, I'll talk myself into Mel, but I'm going Frederick Douglass. Yeah, I'm going male. <laughs> uh oh, let's switch it up here. Um, I I think this is a a classic. This will be a a great game. Um, I I do like uh, what what Jack and Cole Elin can provide the point guard position. And again, I'm I'm taking what I think is a team that's that's really looking for redemption this year in, in this tournament. And I'm going male over Douglas and, you know, a, a game, I think that'll come down to the wire and be, 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 be a classic. Um, and I think this is another one of those to where, you know, like I said, me and coach Scarberry, good friends. I, tr- I, I like the way he coaches obviously done a remarkable job this year at Douglas, but this is one of those games where hey, worse experience could come into play and, you know, really have a factor. Um, but, all right, so I got Douglas, you got Mel. This next one, Newport GRC, wow. You're talking about some athletes or, as you say, some dudes on the floor. This game's going to be full of D1. I mean, Morton, we already know, signed with Moorhead. And, you know, Newport's got a couple kids who have already got D1 offers. And it's just – you'll see athletes all over the floor. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one to pick, but – I'll lean GRC here. I just think in terms of, uh, you know, being here and, and being in the moment will, will help a little bit. And uh, both teams will be coming off grinders on Thursday. If, if Newport does have an advantage, they play early on Thursday. They're at 130 compared to GRC going at 830 on Thursday night against North Laurel. So I think Newport does have the advantage there. But I'll take GRC in a tight one. Um, uh, again, I, I think this one's – going to be rather uh, lower scoring, uh, be a grind-out type game, uh, even with all those athletes and people that can score. But uh, I'll pick GRC here. 
Um, let me ask you this. Um, if Lyon County were to beat Newport, does that change your mind with GRC? Probably not. I, I think, again, GRC has the guys that they can throw I, at Perry to Newport. I think Newport actually – I think Newport actually gives GRC a better game than what Lyon County would. Yeah. But um, – and Troy Howe, who uh, writes for KSR covering the state, he uh, put a post out earlier about 83% of a poll picked Lyon County to beat Newport. And I commented and said that that surprised me. I'm actually picking Newport to win. And somebody just replied and told me that I would be disappointed. So I just wanted to see if maybe – that would change your mind if Lyon County were to, I'm still going with Newport. Um, I, however, will pick GRC to beat Newport. So, really, the only difference we have is the Douglas Mail, which our final four is Woodford, Warren Central. Then we got Douglas Mail and GRC. So, Woodford, Warren Central, I think, this is where Woodford County's Cinderella season comes to an end. Um, Jasper Johnson still may be the best player on the floor, but I don't know if he'll have enough help with the balance attack that Warren Central has. So I'm going with Warren Central in the finals of the top half. Yeah, I think it's Warren Central, and, and they do so uh, rather comfortably. And just a team, again, that's that's on a mission that's been to the championship game last year, uh, and they're just primed and ready for this one with the, with the really good draw of the top half of the bracket. But now the bottom half, regardless if it's Douglas or Mel against GRC, I'm taking a fi- uh, rematch from last year's finals. I'm going GRC no matter who wins that game. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I'm taking, I'm taking the Cardinals myself. Um, but I'm taking Warren Central to win it all. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we to tell one, me out of all these games, we only got one difference? Out of 15 games, we picked 14 out of 15. <laughs> and I and I actually wrote down who I picked today at school. Like I filled out the bracket today. I did so too. it was like I just did it as we were going through it. I was reading off the I, bracket as we were discussing these games. I, I emailed myself my picks, and I, I think the only thing I changed from this morning was uh, what did I change? Warren Central. McCracken, Woodford. Yeah, I didn't really change much. I, I, I'll say this, though. Whoever comes out of that bottom bracket in that bottom pod of four teams of Newport, Lyon County, GRC, and North Laurel, they're going to have to go through a war for three straight days, and then, boom, four hours later, they're going to have to play Warren Central in the championship. So I just think the way this thing is set up, it's it's clearly at the Dragons' advantage and whoever does come out of that bottom half of the bracket will have played three grinders in, in, in you know, a 72-hour span or less than 72 hours, and then, boom, you're going to have to play a fourth game hours later. And, and that's where uh, I'm just – I'm against having the semis and the championship on the same day just because of a, an advantage like that, you know. Um, I just think – because the bottom half of that bracket is going to have to play the later game on Saturday. Uh, it'll be a 1 o'clock game. They get done around three, and then boom, four hours later, after playing, let's say for GRC sake, after playing North Floral on Friday on Thursday night at eight thirty, after playing the Newport Lyon County winner on Friday night at eight thirty, Saturday morning, Saturday at one o'clock, you're gonna have to play the Male Douglas winner, assuming those you know two make it out of that, and then boom, seven o'clock, you're gonna have to play Warren Central. I mean, just imagine that. But don't you feel like though, 
in a situation like that, the less you sit, the better. Uh, I mean, because I know and these kids are 16 to 18-year-old, probably in the best physical condition of their life. But I'm talking about, like, the longer you sit, the, the more stiff you get. It's harder to get back. But I think I think once you get to that point, adrenaline's going to kick in. Um, but, you know, as a player, I wouldn't like two games on the same day. But as a fan, the amount of money I had to spend to stay from Saturday night into Sunday, another night in a hotel, another day of food, another, you know, I just, I really like it going back to Saturday night. And, you know, that's from a fan perspective. As a player, I totally see the argument. I'm just curious if you were to ask the players if they'd rather play that first game on Saturday or that second game, just because it seems like the less time I'd have to sit, the easier it is to stay loose. I'm just you – know, I, mean, I, I get those aspects of it, and I, I think there's arguments for it and against it. And like you said, the kids are, are probably fine with it. It's probably us, the adults, are the ones that are griping about it. But I just think a championship game uh, deserves preparation and it deserves buildup. Um, maybe even consider – and, again, this is a, a long shot and just a thought, but even consider moving the game to – the following like Tuesday or something, having it on like a Tuesday night, but then you're, you're talking about travel and getting people back and forth to Lexington where they're already down there, but you know, it's just food for thought, but I just think that stretch of, of games for whoever comes out of that bottom bracket is going to definitely have to earn it. And if they do, if they win that state title, that'll be one of the more impressive runs that I've seen since covering the state term. There's no layups. I mean, there's, there's not an easy game where, like Clark last year opened up with Perry County Central and put a running clock on them. I mean, that that kind of frees you up and, and kind of gets guys, you know, some rest where maybe they're only playing 18, 20 minutes compared to, you know, all 32 and and really having to grind and, and get through each possession. So that's just kind of my thoughts and and why I think this, this tournament's really set up for Warren Central to win it. And that was going to be the point I closed with was um, just the uh, – and I know it feels like I'm slighting those teams in the upper bracket. I'm not. But, you know, Warren Central, I don't – I personally don't think Pulaski County or Ashland challenge them. I think Woodford County can play with them for a half maybe. Um, but I think, you know, just the adva- the talent will take over for Warren Central. And, you know, no matter what team comes out of the bottom, they've their, their route to the finals is way tougher than whoever comes out up top. So, and I think that obviously gives the advantage to the team up top, and I think that best team is Warren Central. So, that's just my opinion on it and kind of agree with you that, you know, that bottom half is loaded. Yeah, Thursday Thursday will be a heck of a day, and I think Friday will be even better. Yeah, and – uh. Thank goodness for NFHS Network and um, 10thregion.com and all their updates and uh, things they post on Twitter. Uh, just uh, And although, um, also for anybody out there that listens, if you want a, bra- a bracket challenge that's free for an Apple gift card, check out 10thregion.com's uh, NCAA Bracket Tournament Challenge. I've already got my picks in. I mean, I'm probably going to win, so – you know, just to give you all forewarning, I, I'm probably going to win that Apple gift card. But, you know, if you want to join in just for some fun, check out 10thregion.com's Bracket Challenge. But um, 
It's who's man, your final I, four? Huh? Who's your final four? In the NCAA? Yeah. Um Texas, Kansas, Duke. Ugh. Man, Duke's playing well right now. He'll lose first round. No, Oral Roberts. No, no, no. They made the Sweet 16 two years ago and have basically most of that team back. And who's in that bottom half? Um, it's the Bama bracket. Arizona, Bama. Uh, Baylor. I like Arizona. Virginia. I'm going Arizona, Duke, Kansas, Texas. You heard it here first, Stay Hot Podcast. Okay. I went I went Bama, Marquette. Uh, dude, that bottom bracket in the East is just – who knows? I mean, Kentucky's got to be licking their chops because, I mean, you know, your top seeds in that thing are Purdue, Marquette, Kansas State, Tennessee, Duke, and then UK. Like, that's not a bad bracket for them at all. No, Kentucky actually got probably the best bracket they can ask for considering the season they had. Now, yeah. but they're also one that, you know, I, they can beat Providence or Providence could beat them. Kentucky oh, yeah. hasn't showed any level of consistency all year long, but the only thing in their favor is every other time they've played and they've laid an egg, they've come out, they've bounced back. Like, they went down to Tennessee and won, which I didn't think was ever possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they beat Providence. Providence didn't really impress me this year, but then that Kansas State team's tough, and I just – I don't know if they can get by them on such short notice and – whatnot but Cal's usually pretty good in second round of games so we'll, we'll see there but I went Marquette in that bracket just because I, I truly didn't know who to pick in that one I think that's the one you're going to see a lot of upsets I agree and you know the only reason I didn't pick Marquette is I watched them play in the first round of their conference tournaments against St. John's and yeah, St. John's bad. was up double figures and I know you can't judge but I don't see Marquette play a lot and that's just the one sample that I have which is Unfair to judge them by that one game, but they just I, – I just wasn't impressed. But, you know, the record's good. They earned a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, which means they're a top eight team in the country. But I just – and, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I went, I went Bama, Marquette. I got Miami getting through in that top half. I like that team. I like Miami. It's a good pick. I got them beat Texas in the Elite Eight, so I think one of those two will get there. And then at the bottom, I picked UCLA over Kansas. So, my final four is Miami, UCLA, Alabama, Marquette. So, Well, that's not a bad final four. If Marquette gets there, then you're probably going to win some challenges because I doubt many people. I just I don't like that Purdue team. I, I, I was getting ready to ask you, um, Purdue's probably – the first number one seed that I see losing. I can see them losing in the second round. Yeah, to Memphis or FAU. That's a tough one. Memphis looked great against Houston on Sunday. I watched that game. And I know Houston didn't have Sasser, but I'm not so sure it would have mattered, man. Memphis looked good. Yeah. Hey, if Houston doesn't have Sasser come Thursday night, watch out for the Norse. Hey, I didn't pick the Norse, but I'll be cheering for the Norse. Yeah, I'm not sold on that Houston team. I don't – there's something about them that – I just feel like they're a team that they're probably superior athletes, but you get them in a game where they're forced to execute and make some contested shots or whatever. I'm just – you know, if you think about it, Houston's been ranked pretty high seeds for several years now. What have they ever done? I feel like they're turning into the new Gonzaga. You know, I, I was getting ready to say the same. Reminds me of Gonzaga. 
Where Gonzaga this year, I think, scary because they're kind of under the radar a little bit more this year. Well, they underachieved in the regular season. You know, now they had a much better regular season than Kentucky. But anytime you return like a Drew Timmy, I yeah. think you would expect them to. But while we're talking about underachieving, let's talk about the only team in NCAA history to be preseason number one and not make the NCAA tournament. No, it's not. It's not okay. It's I, I didn't there. figure you'd want to talk about that, but um, – Rough but, year, man. I mean, it, it, the way I – last year was a fluke. I mean, they got hot and just caught lightning in the bottle at the right time, and there's a reason why those four guys came back to college because they're not next-level players. Right. I get – but I honestly, I'm not going to lie. Um, I expected them to have a pretty good year. I'm a big R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, which, of course, I know there were some off-the-court issues with the team. But, you know, Armando Baycott, I mean, he's a he's an All-American. I mean, I expect them to have a better year than they did, Leaky Black. But, you know, it just kind of shows you that sometimes internal turmoil can be more detrimental than anything. Um, yeah, and I don't – Because their, their talent level didn't change from last year. Hubert Davis, I feel like, you know, he, he caught, like like I said, lightning in a bottle, but I don't know if he's the guy there in, in Chapel Hill. I mean – Well, there's been some scuttlebutt. Yeah, but how do you get rid of a guy that's been to a national title game? In his first year, but the scuttlebutt is Jerry tournament. Stackhouse. Oof. Did you hey, hear that? He had Vandy battling toward the end of the year. I Man, it. I think Vandy got snubbed. They did, but they they're they got hot at the at, at the end of the year. But their resume before that was just awful. It is what it is. I mean, it's gonna be a. I think it's gonna be a great tournament because there's no elite. Like, yeah, this is the team to beat. That's exactly. Uh, that's my thoughts. I, I'm actually looking forward to NCAA tournament. You know, because there's not that one team. Now, I think if Bill Self comes back and he's able to coach, and you know, Kansas has showed at times this year they can be really good. But um, I just don't feel there's that one dominant team that everybody should be scared of. I got a lot of 12 and 13s winning their first round games. Well, good. You need to get in my bracket challenging because that's donation money there. All right. Let me get that money. You ain't you ain't got a chance. If you're picking 12s and 13s, you ain't got a chance. You must not know about the 12 versus 5 history, sir. I do know about the 12 versus 5 it's literally history. literally like 500. It's like, five, it's like two out of four every year. The 12 Oral season. Roberts has not beaten Duke. Bet. How much? I don't know. Give me six and a half points. Six and a half? That's what the spread is. Six and a half. Yeah. You're making me think. It's too late to think. Well, we'll 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 keep our side bets off the podcast. Yeah, we don't want anybody to know our side bets. Well, hell, with my with my history, I ain't gonna win them either. I, I struggle in, beating you in anything. So I live in Ohio right now, so I can bet legally. So yeah, well, that's true. I. <laughs> I knew there was an ulterior motive for you moving to Ohio. <laughs> All right, man. Um, I hope to see you up there this week, and it's going to be a fun, exciting week for sure. I think this has potential to be some of the best games at the state tournament in a, in, in a few years. I'll just be there for it all. all. I mean, it's just – I can't wait. I'll be there for it all. Follow me at Evan Dennison one on Twitter. I already do, but for those who don't, follow at Evan Dennison one on Twitter. Um, not only for good game analysis, but for also high quality video. Yeah, man. All right. I'm going to let you close it out this, this time, Evan, cause you ain't done it yet, but stay tuned and stay hot. Stay hot.